Welcome to Become the Me I Want to Be, the podcast that helps entrepreneurs like you focus on driving your personal growth, building your positive energy, and giving you the support that you need to achieve your goals so that you can win in life and succeed at home. Welcome, everybody, to yet another live interview show with Become the Me I Want to Be. Our guest today, Gabriela Rosa. Um, I say it with a little bit of Spanish accent. So I'll yes. I hope that's okay. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. So I appreciate you being here. Um, yeah, really excited about this. So let's get right into it. Um, and as I mentioned, like I was checking uh, checking you out a little bit. Like I like to know a little bit extra, and especially on people's personal profiles because they always share something different. In this case it's all in alignment of what you're doing. And I love that. And it reminded me of a story of a dear friend of mine, right? So he was um, together with a lady and they were trying and trying and trying to get a baby and trying and trying and trying. And, and it took them years and years, right? Now we all think that it's easy. So most think, you know, it's a given. It's not. And we're going to go into that later as well. However, in this case, um, she finally got pregnant Three months into the pregnancy, the, um, how do you call that? The tension of and the pressure of trying to have a baby got so high that three months into pregnancy, she was done. And they split up, right? Which is even, to me personally, is even more pity. I'm very traditional when it comes to, you know, you're together and then you get a baby and, you know, that's just me. However, it was very sad. So... I'm just wondering, you've got a lot of experience with, you know, people struggling, getting a baby. What are some of the things that you see and that besides them finally being able to get pregnant, what are some of the things that you also have to help them with go through? Because I think it's also a lot of pressure on the mind. Am I correct? Oh, look, absolutely. I think for any couple, and, and I posted about this actually just before we got into this conversation, about the fact that, you know, when it comes to the patients that we treat in our clinic, typically these people have been trying for years. You know, it's not um, the type of situation. that for the most part, what we hear is, you know, somebody decides they get married, they, they decide that they want to have a baby, they get pregnant easily, quickly, you know. And, of course, our upbringing also demonstrates, you know, with our sex ed classes in school and everything else, that, oh, my God, you know, be careful because the thing that's going to happen is you're going to get pregnant from just looking at semen, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not quite like that. In fact, you know, at peak fertility for any couple, at peak fertility, uh, there's a 20% chance of conception occurring. And then, of course, you know, there is a very high rate of miscarriage before a couple even knows or a woman even knows that she's pregnant. It's somewhere around three out of four pregnancies and a miscarriage before we know that a pregnancy is even in place. Therefore, you know, the the, the fact that we are all even here <laughs> is a miracle, you mm-hmm. know, and which we take for granted. You know, I think that for the most part, we very much take for granted the fact that we made it into this world and uh, and we certainly take for granted that we will have children if so if we so choose you know most people who um, decide that they don't want to have children of course are in a different category altogether in terms of that but the vast majority of people who want to have children think that it's going to be really quick and easy 
The reality is that for about one in six couples, it's not quick and easy. And in fact, for a lot of those couples, it takes way more. <laughs> Hello, Nicole. Um, it takes way more than um, you know, twelve months for a conception mm. to be established. Many, many pregnancies and miscarriages, I said. So, you know, there's definitely, and, and of course, when it comes to fertility, something that people also don't realize is that minor obstacles to optimum health will mm-hmm. negatively impact the chances to conception. So, there, there, there are a few mathematical models actually that have been created and put together in terms of this that show that a couple at peak fertility has an average of three months time to pregnancy despite the 20% success rate, you know, in conceiving. But when you add a minor factor or an obstacle to optimum biochemistry, mm-hmm. just one, it might be something like, you know, irregular cycle or sperm could be improved in quality or, you know, the, there's a thyroid insufficiency or anything like that, you know, just something that's subclinical or minor. Um, all of a sudden we go from an average of three months time to pregnancy to an average of two years. So it compounds that time quite substantially. A second obstacle to optimum fertility, any of those things that we've talked about already will do. And we are between you know two to seven years average time to pregnancy. And a third gives us an average of 40 years time to pregnancy. And for most part, no one, of course, has 40 years to get pregnant. That's why it's important to really understand what are the things that are getting in the way and what can we do about them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that. Um... I'm going to flip it a little bit because you mentioned something very important. We take for granted that we're here and we take for granted all the things that we have, which is actually, I think it's a huge problem and what adds to what I call the zombie life where we just go through life, take it for granted or everything, right? What would you suggest to people to get out of that? Because it's so hard because it's so normal and we're so used to our lives being so great, right? What are some things that you could recommend to people to you know snap out of it and and start living greatness well isn't it interesting before we talk about that let's take a step back and have a look at what our life has become mm-hmm. in that 2020 pandemic right with a seemingly you know normal year starting and uh, with plans and dreams and aspirations as most people you know typically begin the year with a, a lot of hope about what's to come and what's going to what the new year is going to bring and of course this year has been not like any other year and it has been not like any other season and any other time that we've ever experienced in our lifetimes and is it an interesting fascinating scary and even maybe a little bit crazy to think Mm. that, you know, we just expect and we take not only for granted, but we have this interesting idea that we should just be able to do all the things that we normally do, like travel overseas and go on holidays. And Mm. and when that privilege, because it's an ultimate privilege, right, Mm. is taken away from us, then it's almost like this sense of rebellion about, oh, my God, and, and deep, deep feelings of depression and all of a sudden having to actually face what is my life and mm-hmm. what is it that I'm choosing and how do I then you know, take the next step into what I want to create because a lot of people live quite unconsciously, as you've said. You know, they live one day to the next kind of just, 
taking it's it's that uh, entitlement that we have about the fact that you know things should just bend to our will in the way and at the time that we want them to be there and i think that that is the number one recipe for unhappiness and deep mm-hmm. depression you know so in order to be able to actually answer the question what do we do to live our best life and what do we do in order to be able to actually you know, enjoy the types of things that we would like to be able to enjoy in our lives. I think we need to take that step back and look at, okay, what what happens when things don't exactly go our way? Because we're very good to imagine and idealise situations and circumstances in our lives in the way in which we would like them to be. Mm-hmm. And we expect that they're going to show up in our life in exactly that way. But guess what? When we're talking about greatness, when we're talking about becoming the very best we can be, when we're talking about living our best life now or whenever, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Isn't it the fact that, you know, in order to be able to do that, we all of a sudden have to overcome the present condition of life, which is we have to deal with what is, right? Mm-hmm. And if we are looking at becoming something other than we are and experiencing something that is better than what, you know, if in our own minds at least, that we already have, what does it mean? Well, we have to overcome the conditions that we face ourselves, that we are faced with, and that we have essentially faced ourselves with, the choices we make, right, Mm -hmm. in our day-to-day. So I think that a lot of times people really focus on the wrong thing (laughs) when it comes to this question, you know. They focus on the external conditions and circumstances and how things need to be out there, Mm-hmm. In order for me to be everything I can be or, you know, do all of the things that I can do, forgetting and not realizing or perhaps even being having a sense of entitlement around the fact that in order for us to actually be or change or do anything other than what we do right now, we have to overcome the condition of essentially feeling like, you know, wherever it is that we are not is better than where we are. Mm-hmm. You know, because without accepting our circumstances, our life, where we are, what it is that we do, ultimately it's just, a, you know, it's, it, it, we're running away. We're trying to run away from circumstances and situations that we're going to have to learn how to overcome anyway at some point, mm-hmm. right? So that question is a really interesting question because implicit within that question is the fact that, you know, if we want to be somewhere else, it might be because we are thinking that that place has more benefits than it has drawbacks for us and it has more benefit than where we are right now, a.k.a. the grass is greener on the other side. The reality and the truth is the grass is never greener on the other side. It just changes, you know, angle and perspective and shade. There's going to be just as many drawbacks when you get to you know, make the million dollars or buy the house or find a partner or, you know, do whatever it is, achieve your business goals or whatever else, as there are to not doing those things. It's just that, you know, there's a change in preference, which is perfectly fine, but to imagine that it's going to be better than where we are, it's just going to be different. There's going to be different sets of challenges and different sets of benefits. And, you know, and and that's what I think that we need to come to grips with is that, sure, I'd much rather have every problem under the sun, right, with the opportunity 
the ease of opportunity and access to resources that are going to help me to overcome those challenges. But the reality is that every single person in whatever context they find themselves, they also have that set of opportunities, is that we think that those opportunities need to look different to what they do, which means that we then start to look at and search for those opportunities in in a completely different way. And when we don't find them packaged in that little way that we think that they should look, we rebel. We think Mm. that it's, you know, it's a terrible thing because simply we're not willing to stop and consider, okay, what are some of the benefits of this? What are some of the things that I'm going to learn or how am I going to grow? Mm. You know, some of the biggest things or greatest things I have done or being able to do in my own life have literally come from having to overcome really deep challenges Mm -hmm. and having to actually learn how to deal with disappointment, how to deal with, you know, feeling discouraged, how to essentially overcome that sense of inertia that we all have from time to time that, you know, things should be different and it should just work out because, you know, we are who we are. It's a bit crazy, but, you know, that's kind of a, it's a long way of answering the question of, you know, we can only... Yeah, we can only be, do or have what we're willing to actually transcend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really that simple. So that's kind of my take on it. But, of course, you know, people have different, I don't, I don't have a, a need to be right in regards to this. I just feel that in my own life, that's what my life demonstrates. And, you know, for a, a huge extent, I've treated now thousands and thousands of people in every walk of life all around the world. And mm-hmm. I hear those same types of conversations, you know, whether I'm talking to someone in the US or New Zealand or France or, you know, Brazil, I I often hear the same human drivers that keep us, you know, almost stuck in a condition that is not of our doing or our own kind of happy making from a mere choice of how we actually choose to look at the circumstance as opposed to how the circumstance really is. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate that, the way you said it. Now, you mentioned challenges, right? That the challenges that have come in your path have made you who you are and have helped you grow and learn a lot. Mm-hmm. However, challenge is different. So so is it a challenge then? I mean, I, I, I where I'm trying to get at is the same with failure. People keep saying like, fail often, fail often. And I like to say there's no such thing as failure. Right. There's either a lesson or you win. So it's all about perception. So I'm just wondering, like, should we still use the word challenge or should we change that perception? I'm just wondering, I'd like to discuss that. Yeah, no, look, I think that's such a great question. And I will answer it in this context. Right. I have for the last three and a bit years, I have developed somewhat of a love for weightlifting and bodybuilding. Right. And and it has become a deep love because when the pandemic hit and the gyms closed, I was like, for a day thinking, okay, <gasps> what am I gonna do with my life now? Um and by the next day I had decided that I was going to renovate my entire garage and buy a commercial gym to put in there, which is exactly what I did. And I was very lucky that I, you know, I, I did it and made the decision exactly when everybody else had the same idea and everything started to sell out, you know, from uh, from shops everywhere around the world. Yeah. Um, but so so that was lucky and um, no, 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 not a huge amount of wait for, for my new gym to arrive. But um, 
What's interesting, and, and that's the analogy that I like to use, you know, when it comes to challenge and effort and what it actually means for the context of what it is that you're trying to create. The reality is that there is no way you're going to build muscle without challenge, mm-hmm. you know, without challenging those muscle fibres, without putting it under massive strain, metabolic or physiological or physical, right, in order to be able to actually make it do something that it wouldn't ordinarily do on its own. And so I don't think that there is anything wrong with a challenge. In fact, I run an event for patients who are trying to conceive and it's called the Fertility Challenge, mm. right? And one of the things, and, you know, imagine the context that I gave you in the very beginning of this conversation, the couples who treat have been trying for two years or more, have done lots of different failed treatments, nothing has worked, right? And so here they are faced with an event or a program that is called no less than the Fertility Challenge, Right. And there is a very specific reason as to why I did that is that I want people to realize that overcoming your challenges, your limitations, your difficulties is very much a matter of effort. It is very much a matter of determination. It's very much a matter of decision. Mm-hmm. And it's something to decide way before you're actually even faced with the thing. You know, this idea of overcoming or conquering, as I like to say, a challenge is so ingrained in the DNA of how it is that we actually do what we do that we had toes made up and it says, what do I do with a challenge? I conquer it, right? I think that as humans, we have this innate, probably need is a strong word, but I think that, you know, we have this intrinsic drive to win, to overcome our difficulties, to to progress, to become better than what we were yesterday. Even if it's a small increment in a small incremental way, we like to know that, I mean, think about it, right? Games, what are games? Computer games, video games. It's you're 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 put through some yeah. kind of challenge that you have to figure your way out of. Right? People somehow love doing that in games, but they actually think of it completely different when it's actually in real life. Although Mm -hmm. the premise of it is exactly the same. You're just figuring your way through another level, right? Mm -hmm. As you figure your way through that other level, what happens? You ascend that level. You get better. And not only in your circumstance within the game, but in your ability Mm -hmm. to be able to actually do that very step each time that you practice and do it more. Why is it that kids get hooked on video games? Because it actually intensifies that need and that drive that we have to feel like we're winning at something. The problem is that we feel like we only have to win all of the time. Mm -hmm. The reality is that we get to do a whole lot more practice than we do win, you know? (laughs) And so one of the things that I actually honestly have brainwashed my children from the moment they could, you know, kind of verbalise words in any way, shape or form, and I've done this with both my children, they will complete this sentence. And the sentence is this. Whenever there is anything, whether it's a game, it's a puzzle, it's a, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, that they feel I can't do it or that they get frustrated, what is Mm -hmm. it that I, I actually get them to say? I get them to say this one little sentence. We practice, practice until we, and they finish the sentence. 
wind. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> you know, and so the reality is that I'm very, very clearly and certainly very deliberately getting them to see the fact that there is no failure. There mm-hmm. is no way that you can that this can go wrong. You simply practice, practice until you succeed. So, so for me, I think that it's very much it's a dance. It's a dance of being able to learn and be able to do it better next time and be able to do it faster next mm-hmm. time and actually be able to enjoy the process. Because without that, I, I actually turn pretty much anything that I do that is hard into a game. Mm-hmm. I just go, okay, all right, the game we're playing today is whatever. How are we going to win this game is the finest, right? And then it's simply a matter of continuing and keeping going until we get that definition. And, you know, and I'm constantly doing that because, you know, otherwise, one, it's boring. Two, um, it's very easy. It is. It's so boring. You know, when when you're not yet good at something, when you're actually, you know, learning a new skill, a new behavior, whatever it is, you fail way more often than you actually succeed. So it's very, very easy to go, oh, this is terrible. I don't want to practice it. Or to feel like I don't really want to do that because I'm not good at it or because I'm not going to win or because, you know. So I think that there is such an important aspect to, the, to creating this, you know, this, this attitude of playing through your challenges, you know, and, and, and that's also one of the reasons as to why I love that whole concept and the whole idea of bodybuilding and weightlifting because guess what? If you can conquer leg day at the gym, you can conquer your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is no, no two ways about it. That's just how it's going to be. You can conquer that, you can conquer anything. Absolutely. So I think it's, it's that transference, you know, of abilities. Like when you're really good at a particular thing, to actually know that, okay, I can do that. Therefore, I can learn to do all of these other things instead of saying to ourselves, oh, no, it's useless or it's too hard or it's, you know, I'll never master this or it will never happen. It's like, okay, how can we actually transfer the things that I'm already good at Mm -hmm. to the things that I'm still learning? Exactly. I love that. It's funny that you talked about your kids as I, this morning with uh, our oldest, he's seven, and um, yesterday he did something. He made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. And he started out, I made so many mistakes. Okay, but Diego, what does mistakes mean? Uh, yeah, I make mistakes so I can learn, you know, to improve myself and, and know what I need to learn. So it was, uh, so that's why I, I love what you're saying. I'm actually going to play that for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because we have kids obviously probably the same age. My my eldest son is eight and my youngest is five. Yep, so, yeah, there you go. So it works brilliantly, let me tell you. You know, and then they, they get into it. So whenever they're doing something, they're getting frustrated. I don't even say anything other than telling, what is it that we do? We practice, practice, and they finish it, right? Oh. And then they just go and do the thing instead of complaining and whinging and crying and getting frustrated and, you know. And so I think that as parents and even as adults, I mean, gosh, you know, like if we can teach ourselves to do that, mm. ourselves to go, okay, when I'm still learning, when I'm not yet good at something, what do I need to do? Practice, practice, practice until you succeed. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant way of actually unhooking yourself yep. from that, oh, but, it, you know, this is, it feels terrible. Well, actually, it's just practice. 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love it. when you said that as well. It reminded me of Jim Quick who says practice, and then we all say practice makes perfect, right? Whenever you say that, and he says practice makes progress, which clicked as well and it takes away that feeling of everything that I do has to be perfect, which gets you going as well. I love it. I love that. I hope that people pick up on the way that you and I, I really enjoy that. To use the words, like we just talked about challenge, and it's so important. That, what does it mean to you? Like if you talk about, and we talk about failure, you talk about failure, you talk about challenge, people think like, ooh. However, you know, it's just a word. <laughs> if you don't like the word, just change what it means to you. That's all it is. That's huge. Gabriella, it's, it's almost time. Do you have time for one more question? Yeah, of course. Yes. Awesome. Excellent. So, cause I have one question I really want to ask, cause you mentioned like you always were going to the gym, you know, um, that takes a certain amount of discipline, right. Um, accountability. However, there's people there. So you're more, you know, it's more easy to like, Oh yeah, look at other, they're, you know, they're doing their best. So I'm going to do that too. Now you're doing it at home. I'm assuming there's nobody there watching you. You're all by yourself. What do you do to keep yourself accountable to make sure that you give it your all um, every single time you do a workout. Yeah, it's actually a really good, um, it, it's a really interesting thing that happens when you start to do something for yourself mm-hmm. rather than for other people, right? And, you know, when I basically, when I train and, and I have joined a, uh, a bodybuilding kind of team. And right. so right. what happens is that it's virtual. So nobody's actually in my gym when I'm mm-hmm. training. Um, but it, what's interesting about it is that that place of support and accountability doesn't have to be a place that you physically go into. Mm. And your tribe doesn't have to be one that you, you know, are face-to-face face face with every single day. And, you know, we've proven this not only for the patients in our program because we treat patients from literally every continent other than Antarctica at this point. And, you know, the fact is that there is this, this, you know, understanding that we are a community and we come together. And so with my training, that's one aspect, you know, and it's an aspect that really does support the choices that I make in my day to day. What's also interesting is that, you know, there, there is that, this saying that uh, environment dictates performance. Right now, all of these women who are in this team, we're pretty focused on uh, athletic performance, right? And so, and and the other thing too, I mean, the woman who leads this team, she's she's a bodybuilding champion, and she still competes, and so she is in her own process doing the things that you know she essentially not only is teaching us, but you know is is um, supporting the community to do. That's one aspect. And so what happens is that, you know, I know that mentally I'm linked, even though I've never met these women face-to-face, I've never actually been in the same room as them. And typically we have like a Facebook-like, you know, place that we all congregate and go to and and message each other and, and, you know, post our wins and everything else. Um, it's It's an environment where we know we are connected to that environment. We know we're all working towards an outcome. And that helps. Obviously, of course, I have to report. I have to keep high accountability. So daily I have to report my training sessions, what it is that I, you know, my, I've got a program, what it is that I did in terms of my my sets and my reps and mm-hmm. at what weight. And and the, the key here is progressive overload. 
So at every single session, we have to be progressively increasing either the weight or the tempo or the shortening the time between exercises and sets. So we have to report that kind of thing. And we are expected to actually do, uh, to film our workouts and actually post clips. So all of these, so all of these, and sometimes I post some of my clips on my my Facebook stories, right? Whatever it is that Mm. I did on that day. So it keeps me accountable, but it also keeps me motivated. And when I know that I've actually gone from, you know, for example, uh, on a on a hip thrust exercise where I start when I first started training, I could do sixty kilos, and then you know I hit a PB of one hundred and fifty six kilos at the same number of sets and reps. It's kind of like okay, that's a little bit exciting, right? Because I know that that's huge progress Mm -hmm. from where I started. And 160 kilos is like about three times my weight. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's So, so, you know, it's it's pretty motivating to know that you're developing yourself into whatever it is that you want to develop yourself into. So it starts, for me, it started really slowly. I needed to actually, when I first started the whole process of training and exercising, I actually had a personal trainer and I ended up hiring a personal trainer. I was at the worst shape of my life. I had had my two kids. I was really at a point that I just needed to do something to change my life. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'm never going to prioritize my health over my work. Being always very focused on my work. And so I thought, okay, well, given that that's the case, knowing that about myself, how do I need to change my circumstances to ensure that this happens? So I actually ended up hiring a personal trainer six days a week. I went, you know what? Yes, it's going to be expensive. Yes, it's going to be a time commitment. Yes, it's going to be all those things. But if I don't do that, mm. I will never actually break the pattern that I have created within myself at this point. So I needed to do something radical. You know, I needed to do something completely different. And at the time, my husband, when I said to him that I was going to hire a personal trainer five days a week or six days a week, he's a chartered accountant, my husband, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing he says to me is like, oh, are you sure? That's a lot of money you're going to pay for a personal trainer six days a week, you know, in his chartered accountant way. And I said, no, I'm I'm just doing it. I'm just, it's decided. It's going to be done. So then a year and a half later, or two years later, I was kind of saying to him, you know, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to stop training, you know, like I'm spending a lot of money training and blah, 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 and because my personal trainer wanted to double her fees, right? So I'm like, mm. oh, I think I'm going to stop. He goes, no, 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 just keep going. I'll pay for all your sessions. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly he saw enough benefit to want to pay for all of my personal training sessions. Yeah. That never, that never happened in the end, but, uh, you know, it's quite interesting how, you know, that happened. But it's interesting also that the developing of that mindset and understanding of yourself about what's going to actually work for you, right? You have to actually find the thing that's going to work for you. If dancing is going to work for you, if, you know, running is going to work for you, then fine. Figure out a way, figure out a tribe, figure out people who are trying to achieve the same thing, who are common, you know, minded and, and like-minded in, in their pursuit and mm-hmm. what it is that they want to achieve. And don't join those people, because then you're much, much more likely, even if it's virtually in the way that I did it, right? You're much, much more likely as a result to actually do something that's going to change your life. Absolutely. I picked up on something else that I find very remarkable about you. You know exactly what kind of questions to ask yourself to get to that next level. Um, so again, I'd like to pick those things out and remind people that are listening, pay attention to those kind of things because the right asking the right questions to yourself, mm-hmm. um, that will definitely help you level up real fast. So um, 
Bravo. I absolutely loved it. Um, Gabriela, thank you so much for taking the time to come on, even longer than expected. Um, so I really appreciate that. Uh, everybody else, thank you for listening to this and leave comments. Just in case if you're wondering, like, wait a minute, you know, you didn't ask who is Gabriela? What about Gabriela? That's because we put a bio in the description section of our podcast. So just take a look at that. There's links there so you can connect with Gabriela as well if you have any other extra questions. All right. So everybody, thank you so much. Have an amazing day. And we will hear and see Gabriela probably again because I'm very excited to interview her again at some point if she's willing. And um, yeah, have a fantastic rest of the day. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Become The Me I Want To Be. And be sure to join the Facebook group where we have a whole community of like-minded individuals moving forward in their journeys. A link can be found in the show notes. If you're looking at taking your growth and achievement to the next level, then let's set up a coaching session right now. Just click the link to book your transition call. Till next time, come on, say it with me. I'm becoming the me I want to be.